Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane with the Brian Kane Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. And today, my guest is a mixed martial arts legend. Originally hailing from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Vitor the Phenom Belfort is a world champion mixed martial arts fighter. He's currently a member of the One Championship Organization, and for more than two decades, he's dominated the octagon in the ring, having faced off and beaten some of the most legendary names in the sport of mixed martial arts. He's both a former UFC light heavyweight champion and the UFC 12 tournament heavyweight champion, and he's in the top three all-time in UFC finishes. Vitor, welcome to the Brian Kane Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. Man, it's a pleasure, Brian, to be here with you. Well, I'm excited to have you, you know, and it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a fun journey that we've kind of been on together here through this world of MMA and now, you know, working with your son as well, who's one of the top, you know, quarterbacks in all of high school football. So we've got a lot of things we want to kind of dive into here today. But first, I think, you know, really, let's have you start us at the beginning. Like, what first drew you into the sport of fighting? Brian, I think it's, uh, first of all, I would just want to give a shout out to all your, all my fans and for all your customers and I appreciate what you have been done, not just for me, my son, but for a lot of top athletes in different sports. So uh, I recognize that the, the mental gym, it's something that is, it's a gym that you can train even when you're not in the physical. So, and, and when I was very young and I was, sport is, is my thing. You know, I think <clears throat> my parents are drew me in to the sports. I was very active kid and, and they had divorced and I had a lot of issues like, you know, anger, I think sort of. And so in the martial arts, judo, they, they brought me to judo to kind of learn how to, to fall, you know, don't break your arms. I was breaking a lot of bones and it was very early and I, I fall in love kind of, but you know, it was not too much action. And I, I dive into so many sports, soccer, you know, tennis, you know, I, I play, you name it. And I always wanted to compete. My parent, my dad was a volleyball former champion, Olympic, Olympic champion from Brazil, world champion in volleyball. So he always thought that the sport helps you develop the, the, you know, social, social community and, you know, create a sense of losing in life and learning how to learning you know, to deal with losses. And, and when you're a kid, the, the world teaches you to kind of, you know, you, you, you get the victory. You know, when you're a kid, you always, and it's, that's not how life it is. Life, we're going to lose more than win. And, and I think I, I fell in love with martial arts because it's something that depending only on me, you know, when I'm there. But when you progress, you need a team and you, you understand that you need a team. But when I was there, I don't need, I don't depending on, on the, on somebody else to do the job done. And I fall in love with the, just the thing you can conquer with your hand. So it was, that, that, that was pretty intense. You know, and obviously as, as you, as you got into the sport and started with judo and kind of got into the combat sport arena, you, you ended up training with one of the most famous names in the game and Carlson Gracie and is a member of one of the most important families in all of probably mixed martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. How did training with the Gracies influence your outlook and where you were at at that time in your life? Back then, Brian, you know, people today when they see the sport, you know, MMA is a considered sport, but it's not there yet and it's more entertaining than sport. 
but that's another subject. But uh, back then, they didn't exist. It's everything was inside the gyms. It was very, was very small. You, you don't don't have money. You just like a passionate, and and you gotta love what you do. So, Carson Gracie was the guy. Was the best guy in the Gracie family that did defend the name for so many years. Back then, mixed martial arts was to prove what martial art is more effective. So if if you don't know the history of martial arts, you got to go back and understand that it was judo versus boxing, boxing versus karate. And, you know, so it was, everything was to match up uh, who, who was the most dominant, most effective martial arts. And <clears throat> I remember that everyone wants to learn karate and kung fu because of, of Bruce Lee and all that. So the Gracie family come and start challenging every martial arts on a one-on-one -on -one combat to see what martial arts more effect so you can get the clients so basically it's like i'm gonna go beat you up and so i can get more clients <laughs> so that's how it used, used to be in the past and when i saw i was 13 years old i was getting introduced to carson i used to train with one of his instructor and i had a vision you know i was a very young kid but i had a vision i remember mike tyson was just in his prime and i said i can do that and I used to box at the same time. You know, I said, I want to become a valid Tudor fighter. And in the neighborhood I was growing up, it was a very tough neighborhood. We used to fight on the street to, to prove if you want to be part of this kind of gang where we used to protect our neighborhood. If you want to be one of the protectors of the neighborhood, you have to be able to endure the sparring session that they used to have on, 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 on the buildings. So I went there. And I realized that on the street to take somebody down is kind of dangerous because of the concrete. So they say, Victor, you're going to have to learn boxing. Boxing is the most effective martial arts of man and man combat with, you know. So, and then I started evolving and, and then I, I became very furious in speed and, and, and power. And, and I, I used to knock adults out in, in the sparring. And they, they said, man, you're going to be something. So they started feeding my dream and, and I had some older guys said you got to go and you got to become a boxer and I said no I want to become an MMA fighter <clears throat> and I realized that <clears throat> if, if I go to the MMA wall that people used to fight it's funny they used to fight like this and there was, it was like different type of guard they didn't have the movement and, and the understanding so it was totally different and that's what when I went to Carson and Carson met me and said let me see how you how you fight and they used to fight with open palm. So in the, in the gyms, back in the days, everything was open palm. So you slap everyone in the face. So he put me to, to do with an adult, kind of the guy was like, let's say he was like on his 20, 21 years old. I was like 14. And I slapped the guy. He, he was like a shrimp. <clears throat> he was one of the, his best kind of fighters on the down. And he looked at me and said, man, you're going to be something else. And, and then he said, let me train you because I will make you a champion. And that's how me and Carson start creating a relationship. So we had like a father and son relationship until I fly to Hawaii. And I got very notarized because I was in Helsinki Gracie gym. They had some pain crazed guys from Japan. And he challenged one of his students. And I said, Helsinki, I know all your students, they don't fight, but I fight. And Helsinki let me do it. And I kind of beat the guy up, the champion, and they put me on the magazines, and I flew, and I met Hickson, 
and the, the family is to have like a two, two different lineage. If, if you are recursion, you, you kind of against the graces. It was like a, just a fight between them the, themselves. And then I love all the family for what they did for the sport and especially Hickson. And I say, Hickson, I cannot train with you. I wish I could. But they used to have this rivalry that I thought was so stupid back then. You know, like, you don't train with this. You cannot train with that. They had a lot of politics. Then I moved. <clears throat> I went back to Brazil and I said, Carson, if you really want to get notarized by your name for what you've done for your family, we got to have to go to America. And, and I find a guy who can bring us to America. And, and I promise in a couple of years, I can give you a championship in the UFC and make your name notarized. And he said, man, okay. And he trusted this little kid. You know, I had a vision because everyone was thinking about Brazil. Brazil said, we got to go to America. That's the land of the dream. So with, with 17 years old, my, my parents assigned agreement for me to be released from the school. Just thinking about that, this is in 1996. That's when they, they, they don't have a sport. <clears throat> but I had a vision. So if we go there, we're going to make it. I promise we're going to make it. And, and we went, and he believed in a kid. Carson Gates was so crazy. That's what's a good part of him. <clears throat> he believed in my vision. And I said, okay, we moved there. This guy was a Brazilian guy, very well known in the movie today. His name is Federico Lapenda. So he opened up us the gym, and we're there living the dream. But they used to have a lot of rivalries between teams and, and, and fighters. <clears throat> so... Back in the days, I remember that Marco Huas was another Brazilian guy who was coming from another rival from Jiu-Jitsu. He was a rival from the Graces, and, and he wants to train with Carson. He was managed by Federico Lapenda, and then I told him, I said, Carson, go with him, train him. He win the championship in the tournament. In the next tournament, I come in, I win the championship. Your name will be known forever. So all the students of Carson kicked kick Carson out of his gym because he was training another rivalry. So that's how the mentality of this jiu-jitsu mentality, they didn't understand business and everything they see is like, everything was personal. Mm -hmm. I don't like you. I hate you. I like you. I hate you. So was, was kind of look like they look like Democrats and Republic in, in the sense. So, and I was there, you know, and I was trying to see, I had, a, I always have like an entrepreneur mind, like, in a business sense and, and, and what common sense. I always have common sense. This sounds good. I can learn with that guy. Let me learn. Let me put my ego away. And, and so I always had that. And unfortunately, I saw from an early age that these adults, they, they, don't have, they have so much ego. They, they, they want to become the guy all the time. They want to be the tough guy all the time. And, 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 you know, fighting is different than football because it's really like he's another man versus another man. And sometimes... You know, when you play football, you can say, ah, my defense, you have better defense. I'm a quarterback. You have, so you can always give an excuse. In the fighting, there is no excuse. <laughs> you get your ass kicked and say, go home. <clears throat> so, but even though people give excuse. So, but that, that time, I, I really, and then was a big mass and a lot of things happened. But with 18 years old, I make my debut in Hawaii. And they grant me the invitation for the UFC tournament. And one year later, I, I turned 18. I was already, you know, you need 18, you cannot fight. So with 19, you can fight. So I went to the tournament and I become the youngest champion ever in UFC. And, 
And I look in Carson's eyes and say, man, thank you for trusting me. They're moving to America with a 16-year-old kid. Thank you for trusting me. And here it is. I made your name famous worldwide now. And, and that was the beginning of my history. But, but a lot of people don't know how, putting the way I described to you right now, they don't know what, have, what I have to go through it to be here. I didn't speak the language. I only know cat ship, thank you, welcome, and, and, and cheeseburger. That, that's the words. So I have, I have to self kind of taught and from helping from people to learn how to speak the language, even writing, you know, writing, I'm still learning how to write and, and to put words together. So I'm, I really was the guy who paved the way alongside with many other guys here in America, worldwide. That And today we have an amazing, we in ESPN here, our sports, and globally, we, we in Japan, Asia, we are recognized by one of the, the best combat sport in the world. And you've, you've been here for the entire journey from back in the UFC at UFC 12, where there, you know, there wasn't even weight divisions. I mean, you're fighting guys like in this, you know, and now, now there's, you know, divisions back then. It was just, it, I, I remember this is, it's amazing that we're having this conversation because, you know, I was born in 1978, you were born in 1977. So we're, we're about the same age. And I remember being in high school and I graduated high school in 1997. Now, at the eight, at, in 1997, you're 19 years old. You're in Hawaii fighting in Super Brawl against a guy named John Hess. And John Hess is seven inches taller than you, and he has a 100-pound weight advantage, Vitor. You're 19 years old. You're stepping in the, in the ring with this behemoth who's that much bigger I, I was, than you. I was 18 back then. So you're 18 years old. You're a senior in high school, stepping in the ring with a guy who's 100 pounds bigger than you and seven inches bigger than you. What, what was going through your mindset at that time? Was it, was it any, was was there so any fear, any self-doubt? Yeah, okay, talk about that. I was so scared. So my mental coach was definitely Carson. And I think that the, the, the mental coach with him, is, he's like, was, I was very secure with him because his, the, 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 the way he, he, he never went to school. He never was prepared like you. So... Let's put it that way that Carson was like, uh, kind of like that guy. When I start, when I brought him, like Carson, I'm nervous. Say, it's okay to be nervous. And he, he used to go back to, he used his metaphor. Hey man, you know what, what really helped me when I was in the locker room, you know, I got like a kid cross, you know, these words, making words. He always creating something that he can put his mind away. He said, you know, the way I do it is just, I just kind of chill, you know, just, just trying to think that, that that's your job. But, but it's hard to, your job, this is not a job. This is really, this is really going to go into battle with another man. But he said, just trying to relax and trying to create something that makes your mind go someone else, you know. And then by the time, you just focus on that time. So and just trying to relax. You're thinking you're in the gym, you're doing your thing, and trying to enjoy. He, basically, he's just trying to enjoy. And then when you start bringing more, Carson, but I still... And he said, hey, man, stop. Stop with this. Come on, let's go. Just warm up. So he passed a lot of confidence. You ready? You, man, don't, don't doubt yourself. He was very onto that kind of old school mind coach stuff. Yeah. And he was, he was very secure of preparation. So for him, like, he saw you and trained. He, he knew if you were prepared, it was impossible for someone to be, to say, Victor, you ready? If you prepare, no one will beat you. I promise you. So he passed that confidence. He transferred that confidence. But I was internally, I was 
fighting my, I call, we're still fighting our demons. doesn't matter how, and now you know that doesn't matter how much experience you have, you're always going to have to, to, to face this, 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 this ghost that goes in your mind. What if, what if, oh, if, if this is happening, if this has happened. So we create so much variables. And now we realize that understanding this mind, mind thing that being in the moment, taking a breath one to one time, one breath for a time. You know. So it's a lot of techniques we can use and we can prepare that everything's in, it, it's a totally different world we're living. But back then it was like, I was like, no rules. You can basically, people don't know that, but John Hass and I, we didn't have any contract signing. So everything was to the words. So he, he asked, the judge. So Shaq, Shaq was there. The whole Lakers team was there. So he said, "Hey, if if this be no rules, the only thing he agreed for not using against me was poking in the eye. He blind one guy in the UFC. People don't talk about it, but he he poked one guy in the eye in the UFC. The guy lost the vision in in one of the eyes. So the only thing he agreed John has to do is say if the only thing I'm not going to do is poke in the eye, but I'll be able to fish hook." you know, punch him in the nuts. He wants no rule. That's what his style of fighting. He called himself like a street fighter. So if people don't know what fish hook is like when you put your, your, your fingers in the nose and you can scratch the nose, you can pull the ear. So that's kind of like a kind of survival type of thing. <clears throat> and I remember I was there and the only thing I, I care about having a, having a boy, I say, Carson, I put my hands in my, in my private part, I said, man, he was gonna punch in my, my nuts. What's up with this guy? He's, this is a sport. And I had my gloves. I was so into the sport. And the guy was so like savage. He wants to, he wants to destroy me. He wants to kill me. And I remember Carson looking to the referee and say, listen, referee, do me a favor. Tell the guy to have a knife. He can bring a gun. Tell him he can do whatever he wants. Tell him we're going to kick his ass. Doesn't matter what. And he shut the door and said, go warm up, Vitor. We're going to kick the guy's ass. I promise less than a minute you're going to be out of this. And that was the confidence that I needed to hear. But I'm still, you know, I was thinking, man, punch my boss, what I'm going to do if you're trying to fish hook my nose and, and how I get. So, you know, things go through your mind. You're just a kid. You're 18 years old. You're fighting an adult, you know. So I go there and I shock the world. And, and I start my journey right there in Hawaii in, in, in I think it was 1996, the end of 1996. And riding, I don't was one I don't I don't even remember the year. I think nineteen ninety five or nineteen ninety six, the beginning of nineteen ninety six and the end I fought in the UFC. So I think the same year, that's when I become nineteen and then I fought in the UFC in the same year. So October it's I, I got the date here, October 11, 1996 at Super Brawl yeah. two in Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh my God. And then we come you know four months later, February nineteen ninety seven you make your UFC debut at the UFC 12 tournament. Now in the wow. UFC, you fight now one, one time on a card and you know who you're going to fight. You can, you know, you can game plan. You have your training camp for that fight. You know how long it's going to be. There's, there's rounds, the whole thing. But back then at UFC 12 in a heavyweight tournament, you're going to have <clears> to <throat> fight multiple times. There's no time limit. There's no rounds. It's just a fight and it goes until someone quit so there's a doctor stoppage or whatever so talk about the mindset of you as now you're 19 years old you're a senior in high school getting ready to go fight in a UFC tournament in a heavyweight division how much did you weigh at this time I was 204 that was the max weight I could have put I, I could not put more weight 
So, so you're weighing 204, but you're fighting guys who are much bigger, much heavier, uh, much older. 360, 275. It was insane. I fought a guy with no chest, like a, like a, like a specimen, like all jacked up, you know, muscle everywhere. He has muscle in his ears, so it was kind of – but, you know, I always use my speed and my agility, and I, I really believe that uh, if you put <clears throat> preparation – it's all about preparation, and I really believe – and speed and agility and 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 I, and I remember Carl said, "Victor, listen to me. God give you a gift. You develop that gift. You develop that gift. And, and we 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 like there is no tomorrow. You think it's, there is no tomorrow. Just develop the gift. Your job is just to be ready for for develop your gift. And the fight. So we didn't have dates. I was ready every week. People pop up in my gym to challenge me like every week." I have to fight guys every week, giants, guys from wrestling. And I remember Carson used to make me Victor, and, and I'm going to send you a link of my sparring. People with little gloves, they could punch me. I could not punch them back. That was the rule. So Carson said, Victor, I, I, I only can, I, the only reason I went to spar, I have to go to a professional boxing gym where I used to spar with all the professional boxers, like the guy who was sparring. I remember I saw. Um, I forgot his name, but um, all the professional boxing from LA, they used to go to this gym called LA Boxing Club. It's where in, in the downtown LA. Uh, so I used to go there sparring with all this guy. He used to spar with Mike Tyson sparring partners and all these heavyweights. That's when I can throw my punch. But with the MMA fighters that used to spar with me, I could not throw punching at them because they would never come to spar with me back in the days. So I used to spar. They could throw punches at me like full blow. And I could not. So I have to only def play defense and just wrestle them. And that was the whole, the whole preparation for me to fight in UFC. So I learned. I developed a lot of skills, a lot of kind of defense. But I used to play offense in separate. So it was not in the same time. And that's kind of was that's wrong the way to train because you have to train, I believe, in offense. You, you've got to play offense all the time. When I say offense, for me, defense can never be in a different mode. You know, you cannot face life trying to protect yourself because life hits you from different places. So the way to face life, you just got to play an offense. Like I love the way, the way you train your mental game. It's pretty easy. We prepare a day. We know what we're going to do next day. Raining, sunny, you prepare a day next day, you doesn't matter. You, you already know what you do this time, this time, this time. So you play in offense, your defense. So I used to break down. So I could not play offense when I was training. So that was not a benefit in my end, but that's the only way I can get to do things. And when I have to, someone to come and pop in the gym, I used to fight these guys. I have, I, Carson didn't let me throw punch in them just to prove that jujitsu was so effective that you can still beat the other guy without even throwing a punch. But I think today this is not going to work. But I was insane back then. Well, and the sport's evolved so much, right? The sport has evolved now where people are, people are, are training and they're doing, they're doing so much more in it because it's so much more accepted than it was back then. Back then it was, you know, like bar, underground. It was almost like living fight club, man. Nobody knew what these things were going on. I remember we used to have to – 
you know, get the black box and get the pay-per-view and you're sitting there and you're watching and no one knew what was going on. It was never, you never thought it would be on ESPN and be the only sport that you're watching right now as, as they had it on ESPN right. the other day. And it's amazing how far mixed martial arts has come. And, you know, you're a big reason and a big person in the play of moving mixed martial arts to where it is today. So I want to thank you for that. But let, take us back to, to UFC 12. You got to fight multiple times in a night to win that tournament. Is, how different is that than, say, when you were fighting in a, you know, one fight in a night, you know you're fighting Randy Couture, you know it's for a title. How much different is a preparation for something like that versus for a tournament? You know, Brian, it's like, you have to, it's like a war. You're like going to a war. You know you're going to a, a zone that's called Iraq, but you don't know when you're going to, it's like you don't know when you're going to fight. Maybe you're going to say, you're going to wake up fighting out. You're in a war zone, you, maybe you wake up, you, don't have, you cannot sleep. You don't know when your opponent comes to attack you. You don't know when you're going to have to start engaging in, in a fight. So it was very, was very unique, that sense, back in the days. You know, it was very like, it's hard to go, to go back and say, man, we, I used to, we can kind of bring a movie. And so another day I was watching a Netflix and my wife said, man, you got to put your, your life here. You got to put your, your life has to go on Netflix. People are going to go crazy. How you used to be in the gym. You, you at your home having lunch and Carson called you and said, Victor, come here in the gym. We have a guy, he wants to fight. you." So I have to kind of put my lunch outside, say, go put your lunch out and let's go fight. So that's how I was, that how I used to be. The thing it was kind of nuts, you know, and I was just 17, you know, 18 fighting adults. And you have to prove yourself, you know, and always someone challenged. I remember even one of the Carson Gracie students, the elder said, hey, how you give the black belt for Victor? He was just 17. I said, I challenged, and Carson said, oh, that guy, black belt wants to fight you because he think you didn't deserve the black belt. So I have to fight one of my own colleagues to prove that I deserve the black belt. So it was like, you really have to fight your, your way in. It's like, there is no, there is no guarantee tomorrow. So, but I never thought about it. I was kind of looking to the, the way I look at it, I was looking to the gratitude and to kind of fulfill my dream. So it's like going back today, it's kind of good and bad because everything is so like the world is, and that's why the coronavirus, the pandemic is making people crazy because they never dealing with uncertainty. Everybody knew, and my day is so perfect. And, and now they're off, off, off. Oh man, I cannot do the same things. So now they have lunch in different times. They eat whatever they want to eat. And, and like, they don't know when it's going to come sport or when not. And some guys are training more than they have to. Some guys are not training at all. So the way I like myself is like, now I evolve my work ethic and my understanding of my body. So back in the days was grind, 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 grind. But, and even though it was grind, 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 I kind of learned from Carson and kind of feed up, come to rest, listen to your body eat this, don't eat that. So I had a lot of mentorship from Carson was very important for me that that really helped me a lot. So I see as an advantage today, but also as a disadvantage because everything is so perfect. You see these fighters out of shape, so fat and all of a sudden and for eight weeks, they, everybody's good and lean and, and all of a sudden they, they look perfectly. So it's kind of, it's not real. You know, it's like make, make weight. You know, I remember, Today, oh, the fight is 205. He's not 205. He's 235 in the, the temp. So he's not, that's not the real weight. So 
it's kind of real, but not real. We live in an, an, an unreal world that people are trying to make a real. So I think fight, we used to be much more pure, much more legit back then than today. You know, oh, I'm, I'm a 185er. You're not a 185. You are two 15 pounds fight, 185. So I think we, we still in a very important saying that we need to transform our sport to be legit. And, and when I say to be legit, the rules have to be changed. I still think MMA rules are not benefit for, for the fighters. They, they're damaged. They're not just the brain, but the ligaments. You know, a lot of things have to change, Brian, along sense with the sense that what MMA needs now. Like I said, who's the, who's the guys that are right there in the front of the battle and helping MMA becomes an Olympic sport that can understand what they're talking and helping these lawyers because it, I, I don't see any sport evolve without the people that really paved their way in baseball, in basketball, in any other sport. These legends that really change the sport. And I think we are stuck right now where fighters want to get more pay. And if they tra tra talk trash, they can get bigger money. And so we're not evolving in one area. You know, we in ESPN, of course, we are, we are kind of worldwide recognition. But if you look at the sponsors in, in MMA, they're, they're, they didn't evolve. And how long ESPN is still going to back up this thing? So we need to be – MMA has to become legit. It's not about the organization. We are very thankful for what Dana and Lorenzo and Dana is still doing. He's amazing job with the organization. But Lorenzo and Fertitta and Frank Fertitta put a lot of money behind where UFC become so recognized. So what we can do as, as, as together to change the sport, to become a really, really legit, like NBA, NFL, you know, fighters have union and things like that. So we are very far away from that. But going back to that time, I wish we can still bring some of the, the honesty of the sport like you in high school, you really related to the sport because it was very unique. And today, people say, Victor, it's not the same. It's not the same from your area. It's not the same. And so how can we kind of combine? And that's kind of called entrepreneurship. It's where you bring the past, you bring the present, and you create a better future. And that's, I think, is, 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 the, is it called the triangle. So you get the past. Okay, the past is over here in the bottom. And you go and go with the present, and then you realize you have a future. So you create the triangle. So it's the base where you're going. And so where you're generating that, that curve, we call the S curve. So we're always going to create the S curve to go up. So we really need, MMA really need for, you know, changing rules, creating a lot of change, you know, you know educating the fighters. Like the mental aspect is very important. You know, some fighters still, ah, this is BS. You know, no, it's not BS, it's real. We see times like with this pandemic, they're creating uncertainty. People get more depressed, they get more sad, they get more, you know, they don't know about tomorrow. So it's a great uh, just analysis to, to see where we are going right now. But, you know, you mentioned mental performance, and, and I think even – in the short bit of time I've had in the combat sports world and, and working with some, some very good fighters like yourself, George St. Pierre, Rich Franklin, you know, is these guys who are 
all Hall of Fame fighters, they've all been very into the into mental performance, you know, and I'd like to hear kind of from your perspective, what are some of the mental performance techniques that you feel like have helped you during your career, particularly when it comes to training for like the big fights that you've had, you know, which every fight you have now is a big fight. So like whether it was a title fight or, you know, a fight with another Hall of Famer, how, what are some of the mental performance techniques that you use now and maybe some that you did earlier in your career, but didn't even know that they were mental performance techniques. They were just things that you kind of found out throughout your journey. It's, it's so many. And, and I, and I think it's the ones that you can make real, you know, real, you know, some people can do I'm meditating for, I remember you got to meditate for an hour. I cannot meditate for an hour. Oh, you have to visualize, you know, you, uh, how you visualize, you know, you, it's kind of for me, it was so hard. <clears throat> I was very, I was very speedy mind. My mind was so fast. I was thinking, thinking, thinking. And you realize that meditation is just kind of quiet, learning to quiet your mind and just living with the now. The now moment is everything. So if I can break it down, you know, something that is very simple and we see all these guys and all, you know, people get nervous, they, they, they throw up in the dressing room. But <clears throat> when they go back, when they go back to perform and after the first round, you know, you're just doing what you do every day. You know, it's basically nothing change. You're not there doing something that you don't know. So just being an understanding that ex first accept the, the, the fact that you can, you can fail in the front of thousands, millions of people worldwide. It's okay to fail. It's not bad. That's part of your job, but you cannot do that in private time. You cannot start thinking only negative. So, and I think it's from what I have been seeing today, especially in this world that we're living today, that if you turn the news, everything is negative. And why everything is negative? Because they study, they hire guys like yourself, you know, the CNN and Fox and you name it. They, they understand that propaganda, it's big. The more I speak that thing, even if it's a lie, you know, that thing becomes real in your mind. That's called a trash talking. That's why fighters are trash talking because they speak too much until the other guy believes that he's right. So the idea is to control your world. If, if I can picture myself, whatever I do now, I'm trying just to control my world and not worry about what's going on around me because I don't have control. Nothing that goes over here, I have control. But even my body, I don't have control. If my body want to become sick, I'm going to have to accept that and deal with that you know <clears throat> but <clears throat> my mind i have control if even if i'm sick i'm i have control to say i'm gonna be good it's okay i just i have to rest i'm gonna be stronger than ever so you have control over your mind and i was another day i was just pitching how it is for these guys you're talking about guys in the past go back to saul you know saul became paul paul spent half of his life in jail and persecution, throwing the oil, bubbling. And that guy living on his faith and develop faith, encourage other. He learned how to be grateful in trials. And you have, you know, Socrates facing life sentence. Hey, hey, escape Socrates. Go ahead. Let's find your place. No, if I cannot live here in Greece, I should die. You know, I should not leave you. So you have these men that really understanding that they are the really mental coaches from from life and 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 you understand that you have to just be in the moment and taking ownership what your obligation on the on the now and 
and with you, Brian, I remember we, we went this a lot. Just take a breath and, and just one day at a time, one, one play at a time, whatever. So we're trying to think so much. And that's, that's become the, 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 the mistakes, you know. That's when we fail. That's when we, we lose for ourselves. You know, one of the concepts, and I think it was before the Chris Weidman fight, we were together in, in Vegas in, in your hotel room, and I asked you one of the million-dollar question. I said, Vitor, what do you know now you wish you knew if you could go back and talk to the 17, 18, 19-year-old Vitor? What would you say? And you talked about the difference between being a man and being a boy and the difference between principle and preference. Could you talk a little bit about that and kind of elaborate on the difference between living out of a set of principle or living out of preference and how, that's been benef- how that is beneficial <clears throat> for people? Yeah, I think we, 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 we grow up, we want to live as old as possible, but we want to die as young as possible. But we don't want to lose the, the part of, of, of called the, the maturity. You know, we want to be mature. We want to be more understandable that decisions you're going to have to make every day. And, and a boy make decision out of preference. You know, I prefer eating this now because that's what I want, then I prefer to avoid this to get a reward and maybe in a month from now because I'm going to have to make the weight. So and then you, you're in high school. Let's go about, you know, going back to high school. So I have the V and another day I took the V to the side and say, son, you're going to have to face girls. You're going to have to say no. You're going to have to face, oh, dad, I'm going to say no. You're not going to do it because you're going to want to go. You want to want to, to relate it to these girls. And how are you going to say no? How are you going to be different? And I said, let me teach you how you should, you know, I was teaching him being, uh, learning this called the sexual teaching for your kid. You have to teach your kids how they approach this life called sex because sex is the most desirable thing men and women have in their whole life. So, but if we don't learn, most of us, we never learn from your parents. And that's the problem. That's why pornography in, in Hollywood takes so much out of your your family because you never taught them to themselves. So, and I really want to say, that I'm going to teach you a class of sex, desire, that the body starts shaking and desiring and you start thinking and you start wanting to that. So, and I really want to start, I just start digging in and he said, that was very helpful. And I said, you know what, when this time comes and you may not, you may do or not do it, but listen, son, you're going to have to say no. You're going to have to say no because you want something good you want to have what your father and your mother have but not just you want to really make it to the league you want to make to the end you're going to have to say no and and just as that's i was talking that's what is not being being a man being a man is is learning that you're going to have to say no to the most pretty lady in the whole world not that you don't like it not that you don't you don't love it but not in that moment not in that not in that environment not in the way that is proposing because that's not going to bring benefit for you and for her so it's good but not on that set settings so and, and that's what becoming a man becoming a man is to learn to navigating in, in when i say sex because that's going to be when even when you're married you're going to have to learn how to do it and what's your choices and and, and if you devote yourself for one in one woman and you want her to do the same. So you're going to have to be accountable for that. And that I've been saying to all my friends that, I, you know, say, Victor, please teach me something that really can save my marriage. I said, I'm going to teach you something that we're going to change your life forever. So every time you look into a woman that is older than you, you're going to look at that woman as a love of a mother. 
is that younger than you, you're going to look for her as the love of a daughter. And if they're the same age, kind of the same age, you're going to look at her as a love of a sister. You never want to get laid with your mother, your sister, your daughter. <laughs> so that's it. And then they, they say, that's fantastic, but it's training. It's so everything is training. And before you commit yourself for something, you're going to know the consequence. Because I always say to my friends there in, in, in relationship, in marriage, they go and they confess, I, I'm going to be faithful only to this woman until I die in, in, in the good and the bad and in, in healthy and unhealthy. So they make that devotion, but they don't live that principle because they're boys. They're making decisions as boys. So that's why the, the rates of divorce is huge. That's why we have so many people without morals, without ethics. They proclaim they have. They speak very good. They look so nice. They lie pretty good. But, you know, Brian, uh, I learned that there has a difference between the true and the true. I ever told that story? Mm -mm. Something can be true, but not the truth. Something can be true, but not the truth. And, and the way I explain the story is very simple. This man promised his wife and his kids that he'll be home. It was on a Friday that we have dinner at 8, 8.30 p.m. with their family. So they prepared the best lunch, the, the best dinner that they, they, he, the husband likes. But they had like a party, just going to go play pool, the guys, and no girls. They're just going to do something, just them. And his phone died and he went there with the boys and said, just stay a little bit and then you go when the time you go. The time comes, he was so having fun with his friends. He said, man, I really want to stay here, but I'm going to have to find an excuse. And they planned. He went outside, flat his own tire, went inside, played pool, leave the place like 1130. He has to change. His friends change him, help him to change the tire. He go home. He arrived at 12, uh, midnight. His wife was almost calling the police, calling his phone. He was very concerned about him. They thought something happened with him. And he, when he arrived at home, the wife said, honey, what's happened with you? I was all over, calling, almost calling the cops to go after you. Say, honey, I'm sorry, I had a flat tire. And in that time, the wife hugged him and fed him and said, oh, man, the kids really want to see you, but they're going to understand you had a flat tire. And my question to you, he, he said the truth? Yes, he had a flat tire, but he didn't tell her the truth. So that story is a symbolic of us. We can be just like the man. And that's why today I call it the fake, the fake news. Everyone, everything is, can become fake news. And you produce that you can even believe in your own lies. People are believing their own lies. That's not true. They create that news. They make the robot, ro the robots produce that truth. So that news becomes true for everyone. And you see people posting, and man, you see, I, this is, and they don't even know this is true. And because that's the way we have been living as society, we have been living like boys. We have men like billionaires living like little boys. They make decisions just because of money and how much they're going to get. So they don't make the decision out of honesty, of the truth. So, the more I read my Bible, the more I see that I'm, I'm very far away to be a righteous man. So I call the RRPPC. So JJPPRR is have joy on the journey, peace on the process, and being righteous on relationship. Being righteous on relationship is the hardest one. You can learn to have joy on the journey. 
you can learn you can learn how to have priests on the process you know to deal with but the hardest one of these three is to be righteousness and relationship that's the hardest one you know it's amazing you're talking about kind of the joy of the process and you know a lot of the, a lot of the the things you're talking about i think give give us as as men give us as people things to go to when times get hard. And right now, you know, we're facing the coronavirus and the pandemic and the world's kind of in press pause. You know, what mental performance training, Vitor, do you have that has helped you to bounce back from setbacks? Whether those setbacks were in your personal life, in your athletic career, because a lot of people are dealing with a setback right now of just not knowing what's going to happen with the future and the based off for the situation. So what would you suggest from a mental performance standpoint that has helped you bounce back either personally or professionally in your career that you would share with the listeners? So, you know, I think just get a piece of paper and write the things that really bother you. You know, it's like, I don't need a piece of paper anymore because everything's in my head. So I know it's like, I know that these ghosts that visit me every day, they're coming every day, man. I don't care how, how much you train yourself how much success you have. They're going to train. They kind of come and knock on your door. Hey, I'm here again. Hey, so they're like, they, they don't give up and, and they, you cannot kill them because they are they're in your head. They are virtual. So I think it's just be able to accept that. Accept that it's okay to have a bad day. It's not okay to live in a bad day every day. It's okay to have a bad moments, you know, but you don't want to live that all the time. So it's okay. So you have to kind of come to resurrect and you know Jesus died on the first day but he's resurrecting the third day so three days was hard but you know he resurrect so the idea is like is always you have to be you know something gonna die but you gotta bring to life die that's the sequence of the days the sun comes up sun goes down even when the sun doesn't comes up so but that that's that's what you have to understand you have to accept that thing so the second thing that I use that is very easy to understand is to is just to accept that that negative thing that talked in your head. You know that 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 we call the chatterbox. He's always like, man, is that that business is not going to go through it. That means you know that that idea is not going to go through. It. So he's always talking back to you. So you have to be trying to be positive and and how you become positive that is called creating the affirmation. But it's not just affirmation. It's a it's a it's a sense of understanding that if in that thing doesn't go okay you be happy can you be happy if you lose everything can you be happy so thinking the worst thing happened can you be happy so i always trying to use that mental training that's very easy if i die tomorrow what i have to if i know that tomorrow i'm not gonna live what the things i'm gonna change and what i'm gonna do to be happy until tomorrow so take ownership of your life you know really press forward and don't it's not a secret thing it's just like if nothing changed how are you going to be feeling if you're going to have to live in a lockdown forever are you okay can you find happiness how can you find happiness i believe that another day i was making a i was writing a thing and i say jesus lives even in hell because when we talk about hell we think that that was a creation of the devil no the only thing that the devil created is life so when i think in, in hell i can see the presence of god in hell but we don't want that kind of presence of god in hell we want the presence of god in heaven so i was using the analogy with my kids when i'm angry my kids doesn't like to see me angry but they still love me but they love me more when i'm not angry with them because they did something wrong so the idea is like can you 
live like the hell can break the hell can break around you but internally you're always in heaven you gotta have that peace and and that's what's gonna bring you clarity to if nothing changed you still yeah, Victor, it's one of the things i think i value so much about our relationship is just the, the perspective that you bring you know and as somebody who's one of the most well-known fighters in the world a sports celebrity athlete not just in the u.s or in brazil but globally how do you stay so present and focused even with all of that pressure and those demands that come with being who you are I have a wife at home that speaks the truth with me every day, man. And when I'm, when I'm being a hypocrite, you say, Victor, I'm sorry, but you're not living what you preach right now, man. What's up with you? So you, you gotta have that, you have to have that style at home and say, listen, man, you know, like Brian, like, you know, you know, you're like, every time I call you, my son said, dad, every time I talk to Brian, he's like, man, my God, I wish I can, I can talk to, you know, it's like, say, listen, but guess what? He has his days too. But what is really, but he's not going to, he's not going to cry to you because, you know, you have to really sometimes, I don't believe in faking to make it. You got to really understand that in life, you got to have hats in life. You really, even when you're sad, you're happy. Even when things are looking so bad, they ask me, how are you feeling? I'm feeling amazing. I, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, looking for something to be grateful. And then you're going to say, man, I'm good. You know what? Because in that perspective, I'm not good. But when I see myself in that perspective, I'm good. So we tend to always be negative because it's, it's people are comparing themselves to somebody else or, you know, how much success or how much he's in, you know, he made to the NFL or he's in the UFC, he's undefeated. So if I compare myself with, with GSP, I'm going to be depressed because his resume are preventing. But that, that, that's not the point. Well, what, what I have that GSP doesn't have, what I represent. So we all unique in a sense. So where, every time I look to somebody else, I don't try to compare myself to that person. I just trying to value what that person represents to me, but you cannot, that, that's, that's very sad that people live on that sense. So I think it's just having someone that, that you can really can speak the truth to you and, and you can be real to yourself and, and, and having solid two times that really can kind of, listen, now I have to see, reevaluate how I am doing as a human being and so and so. So it's a, it's a tough moment that we are going, Brian, I, I confess to you. And, but that is not the end. You know, I believe things will get worse, much worse than what we're facing right now. We just got to be prepared and train as much more people we can because if we all become in the same perspective and we're not going to be feeding yourself from the news, from this Instagram negativity and whatever, and we can have more access to your, your podcast, for your books, for the you know, success hotline. You know, the more we surround ourselves with people that really can you know, reshape our brains. And, and that's, I'm very thankful for the, the books that I read, the, the coaches that I had in my life and, and the people that I really admire that helped me be clarity, not just in my spiritual sense, but in my soulish realm. And it's very important. Well, it's a matter of training perspective. And I think that's one of the big, big messages, you know, coming off of your podcast is that the mindset that you have is the mindset that you've trained. The attitude that you take is an attitude that you train. It's one that you accept, but it's one that you can also train, you know? And I think, you know, Vitor, as, as being known as a great fighter, one of the best ever in mixed martial arts, you're also recognized as a person of faith and a person of high character. 
you know, where does that come from? Is that something that you've always had or is that something that you've kind of brought on and, and has been trained in you? And why is this important for you? It's been because I realized when we, when we born, we born with no spiritual life. We born with no identity. We born and, and, and listen, and, and as we born, first thing you lose is, is the, the comfort of where the protection you in this room and then you come and you cry because you lost that protection. And then you start feeding from, from the chest of your mother and then you lose that thing and you start eating things that you're not used to and then you get used to. And then you start eating like solid and then you start eating more hard things and, and then you start losing. And then you learn to crawling and then you start walking, falling, walking, falling until you make it. And then, man, you become a, a walking zombie in your house. And then, and then they cannot let you because you don't know where you're going. You don't have direction. You're lost. I call we are lost. And then we start finding our ways called the culture that we live in. And that culture is the things you hear, the music, the news, the things around your house, the environment. And you start feeding yourself from that. That's kind of becoming called the shape of your personality. But your spiritual life is that. So I only believe that you can really understand and you take ownership that you understand, man, I have a body that I have to feed. You know, if I don't feed my body, I start getting weak. I got to hydrate myself. And then you understand, man, I really got to go to school and learning and good education, learning my mental things and reading good books. But you still, that knowledge doesn't bring you spiritual life. Actually, it's the opposite. You start questioning. Man, it's real. This is God. Many ways and many ways. So I only can comprehend and accept that I always have a question. God is real. God is, because I said, God doesn't know what I go through it. God does. And then when I start understanding that Jesus become a man, so he can really go through the things I, you know, the desire of the flesh, the desire of just, man, I think I'm not going to go in that cross you know what my will not be done your will God, father so he really went through everything that he went through so and now i understand it's so easy for me to accept a truly god that really become flesh and have pain and cry and deal with the prostitute deal with the with the, the gentiles the religious and and he really among us he went he did with all type of society on that time so and then that's really what guided me and understand that Man, God is for real because he really became me one day. He was me one day and he died and he beat that. And he and actually spent three days and three nights in hell. Guess what? He desired hell. The devil, the only thing that the devil created is a lie. And now we're living in a, such a lie. Well, because we start lying for ourselves. We lie to our spouse. We lie to our kids. We tell our kids that Santa Claus is for real. And then after this, oh, I was just a kidding. So we are so bad as a society. And when I start questioning myself, why people do that with their kids? It's punishment. So I, I decided that I'm going to speak the truth for my kids. And if I cannot speak the truth, I say, listen, son, you cannot know that. It's not time yet. So, you know, and of course, you tell Victor, so you're perfect. No, I lie. Yes, I did lie. And maybe sometimes I, I, I try to find myself, especially... You know, if I if something happened in the house, hey, no, was it wasn't me? Was it me? <laughs> you know, we we, to, we always gonna try to go back to Adam. We called I call the two Adam. The first Adam, the second Adam. The first Adam was the man that really yielded to his wife and hide himself and 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 trying to just point in the fingers. And the second Adam, 
go, accept everything. Let me die so this this band can live. Let me die so these killers, these murders, this 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 adultery, this this lying society, they can live one day. So when you really understand that besides your mental conditioning, your body conditioning, you have a spiritual conditioning that you really have to develop. And I call it the three A of living, mind, body, and soul. I call mind, body, and spirit. It's, it's, it's not so, so is your mind. Your soul is your mind, your knowledge. Your spirit is something that's gonna live forever. And so I'm just trying to get better and, and, and stop pointing fingers. That man going to hell, that man going to, I went through all that, I understand. That's the sense of, man, I know, no, I don't know nothing. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. So how can I get better? How can I have empathy? How can I not judge? How can I live in a society, have empathy, and, and be more like a, a human being, and less as a kind of robot, you know? Oh, let's go, let's beat up that guy. Oh, no, no, let's throw rock on that guy, no. So that's the way to live, my friend. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's still, I'm, I'm crawling on that life and I'm, I hope I can get better that Jesus can look down and say, man, you know what? I see progress. And sometimes look, I'm, I'm, look like we are stuck here for maybe a year because we don't see evolution. And rating myself, you know, that I like to rate myself weekly. I never pass seven. Hmm. I never pass seven rating myself. So, and maybe, I don't know, my, my, my 10 would never happen, I think, in life. But that's how I think I'm going to, if I give my 10 to myself, I think I'm going to be the worst man in the world tomorrow. So I never passed seven. I think I only had one week seven. Well, when you're rating yourself, what are you rating yourself on? Are certain categories where you kind of grade your progress? I, I grade mind body, body, my, mind, body, and spirit. So I could never pass seven because sometimes I had a great week in the, in the body, but a horrible week in the mind or whatever. What I call horrible week is not the one that I like, you know. So I, I believe in constancy, consistency, consistency. But when we look to a, to a success of, of, a, of, a, of a company on the stock market, we like to see the graphic, you know, how's the graphic? Long 30 years that, oh, man, that, that, that company is good. Past 30 years, they, 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 always, they never have ups and downs. They graph it. How you rate that on the spirit? Only you know hmm. And sometimes you look, the guy looks so sent, they look so holy, but he's the most evil one. I'm telling you, man, they, they are they're all there. So sometimes that, that person looks so happy, but he's the most depressed. And we see Rob Williams, we lost one of the greatest actors in comedy. So you never know. So only you can rate yourself. No one can do that for you. But the way I rate myself in these three categories, I, I never separate them because I'm God. Only God can do Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but not you, not me, nobody else. We have to rate, we rate ourselves in these three categories. When you're rating yourself on mind, what are some of the things that you, that you reflect on or rate yourself on? Uh, if I'm on a mind, I, I believe in the, the things that I, that I have been training. You know, if like example, if I've been doing my, my daily routine, if I'm being, you know, writing the stuff, you know, preparing my day for the next day, if I'm, you know, for some interest, if how is my thought progress in, in, in that day that I deal with failure or how I, how I dealt with that, that uncertainty, how I'm being dealing with uncertainty, 
and things are going wrong, how I'm dealing with that. You know, it's very easy to deal with everything goes right. You know, it's, it's easy to be happy, but when everything goes wrong, that's when character shows up. You really need that character. You really need that friend to, to be by your side, you know. And I've been through a lot. You watch all my fights, you see my entourage in the beginning of my career. Oh, it was, it was so much. They all, I'm sorry, but they all like to take an x-ray of my balls. They're all hanging out there. So where these people are, they're not, I don't know where they are right now. But the idea is to understand, I was watching yesterday Michael Vick in ESPN Plus. And man, the, the only thing that changed is the, the number of the check. That's the only thing that changed. And, 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 and what Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant to a guy in the league and, and that didn't make to the NBA, the only thing that changed is the number of the check or the value they had for, for Nike or Adidas. But the grinding is the same. So I really rate myself in that category and how I really, you know, see myself in the things that I believe that I really am doing that. I'm really training my mind correctly. When I go back to my body, I really, you know, I'm doing my diet. I'm eating right. I'm, I'm, I'm training. I'm, I'm waking up. I'm doing my mobility. I'm doing my stretch. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So and then you go back to the routines or I'm respecting the rest. And then go back to the spirit. I'm really doing my devotion. I'm really praying. I'm really spending time with God. I'm really, you know, develop that relationship, reading my Bible and understanding that reading my Bible is not just going and reading and say, oh, I read, I read it. No, it's meditating, asking questions. Why? Calendar. Maybe you're going to spend the whole week in just one chapter because that thing is so interesting. You know, it's so interesting. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. What that thing means, what God really wants me, I'm transformed by the way. God was really talking about the mental training. Mm. That spiritual, spiritual training has to go to the mind. So your spirit can only be touched if you use your mental. So you see, so it's everything connect. My body cannot be a mess and I have a strong mind. No, 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 no. If you have a, a, a horrible I'm sorry, I'm not going to say, but if you're in bad shape, you cannot be a mental conditioning trainer because you don't know. You're not taking control of yourself because you are body, mind, and soul. So I grew up watching Carson Gracie say, do what I say, don't do what I do. And that thing I asked myself, I know you are one of the greatest, but that's not right. So that's why when you speak into the athlete's life and even in my life, I look at you and say, man, you're there, man. You're really doing your stuff. You're really, and you're not going to compete. You're not going to make, but that's your, what? That's your grind because your mental depending of your body and your body depending of your mental. Guess what? Your spiritual, spiritual is the most important one. They leave out of this both. It's funny how God is good, no? God gave us something that is so powerful, but this, two, this, this spirit only depends, got to live out of these two things that depend on you. So, Really what God has given us the opportunity to be God. And that opportunity called the free will. You can eat what you eat. You can drink what you want to drink. You can think what you want to think. But these things are going to affect your spirit. Mm. So that, that's, that's, that's the whole journey. You know, that's how fluctuary that your mind, your mental, and your spirit. Awesome. Vitor, I got a couple more questions. I do need to make a quick bathroom stop, if that's okay. Maybe we won't. That's okay. Don't What's worry. That? Go ahead. Go Thank ahead. You. I'm going to get my water. Thank you.
Still there? Yeah. Okay. Oh. All right. So the. Whew, I was just. Oh, I, was gonna ask, I was gonna ask you. What, what's the what, What's the most weight that you've cut in a day, for a fight? Uh, the most weight I think at twenty pounds. Twenty, 20 pounds, just water weight in sauna. Yeah, it's not cutting weight. It's cutting water. Yeah. Yeah, sauna in the breath. I do a, I cut uh, at least 10 pounds just in breathing. I do a way that I cut a lot of weight just breathing. Called the, you know, the auto massage. So you, you, you use your diaphragm internally. You, you, so it's basically you start sweating crazy because cutting water, you just heat up your organs and your organs start because you drink a lot of water. So you, you, you cheat your body that you have that much water, but actually you don't. You're just putting extra water in your body and you just, when your body start cutting the water, your body think you still have water, but you start cutting water. And, and that's, that's why a lot of fighters, wrestlers die because they don't have the water. So I, I don't recommend uh, wearing uh, the sauna suit, you know, one day before. So, so I have the whole technique, you know, I have the whole thing that I really learned to cut water. So stay less dehydrated. The more you stay hydrating is better health for your body because actually people sweat, they gain back, they gain the weight again. So the idea is you have to train your body to sweat. So I do sauna, the whole camp. I do, if I'm going to do bath, I do bath every day. Just training my body that what's coming later, what's coming later. So remember, it's repetition. It's no different. Cutting weight is not different than mind training. You, you, you cannot expect it to, to go and call Brian King and become a, a champion next day. You've got to be coming doing that thing for a repetition. That thing becomes ingrained in you. And that, that's when things start coming results. That's a process, you know, and part, part of your process, yeah. which gets started back in professional mixed martial arts and, you know, 1990, 1996, sure. 1997, when you're, when you're 18, 19 years old. And now, you know, you've had an incredible career. And it, the amazing thing is it's still going. You know, you've recently signed to one championship. Tell us about the next move in the decision to go over to one championship. What's here in the future for Vitor Belfort? So I, I, I really could not, you know, I, I see that UFC is, is really are, it's, a, you know, Dana one day said, Victor, MMA, it's a young sport. You, you got to be young. So that's basically is, is what they're telling me. It's like, okay, my organization is a young sport. And it's, it's notorious that they're always looking for that young athlete. And I understand the true part of that. First of all, the more you stay in the organization, the more cost, cost effective you become, cost a lot of money for the organization. Because so they discovering a way of making money is like, can I make, can I have a lot of young guys fighting for that position? 
because people fighting over pride and in, 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 in a guy like myself, GSP, John Jones, we don't have nothing to prove. We become professional. We're fighting for our legacy and the legacy is starting in, in you. You have to start in you. But of course, a legacy is something that's going to be good for the next, next generation. So as I see that they're changing the way the mechanic and business, and I was very grateful for what they have done for the sport. And I said, man, I did so much here. And now the rules are changing a lot. You know, the, the mechanics of the business are changing a lot. I want to go to a place that really can not just be unique, has value and has a way that I can bring my mental, my conditioning, my entrepreneur mindset. And, and I saw, you know, Chatri, it's the, the leader of the organization. He's really are changing the scope of mixed martial arts. So in the same light, you have like a MMA fight, you have a Muay Thai, you have kickboxing, you have Muay Thai with little gloves. So he's really looking for change. And he's really changing the way, the rules, and he's looking for martial arts aspect. How can I, you know, bring in more entertaining, but at the same time, bring the values of martial arts and making the fights so much exciting that they don't spend that it's not boring. You know, they're looking for finishing. They're looking for knockouts. They, they're looking for actions. And, and that's, that's, that's what Vito Belfort is. It's, it's always looking for finish and, and the fights never, I want to last five. So I think they're very into that transition, accepting that change. And I think we're going to be able to see things. You guys are going to see a lot of great things happening in one and that's my hope that I can put one of the visions that I have bring the best of these two sports of combat called boxing and MMA together at one they can clash in one thing that can benefit both sides and they're very open to these rules called the BMA the box martial arts where I can really challenge you know the top knockout artists to go face to face and bring the best out of we can bring the best entertainment in sports at the same time. Vitor, you've been doing this for a long time, man. You still look like you're in great physical shape and we're excited to see you get back inside and compete. What's, what would you say is some of the secrets to your longevity? What has allowed you to stay healthy for so long and been doing this at such a high level for so long? Uh, I think first one is lifestyle. You know, lifestyle, when I, when I, I remember my wife was doing like orange theory and she was doing that. Oh, you got to try orange, orange, orange. And I went, what is orange? And I went to see what it was, was this workout. And I said, high intensity training, that's what I've been doing my whole life. We are the MMA fighters create this high intensity training because that's our sport. It's go, go, go rest, go, go, go rest, go, go, go rest. That's called high intensity training. And, and I see this, even CrossFit become so popular and, and these guys kind of have the kind of same body shape as a fighter. But high intensity training is being the training of a wrestler, of an MMA fighter, of jiu-jitsu fighters. So we are the guys who really start this process. And I say, you know what? I'm going to start not just doing myself. I'm going to be sharing what I know with others. No better thing like yourself. What you do to me is what you do to yourself. You try everything you try first. Am I right or am I wrong, Brian? 100% correct. So I can only give what I give to myself. That's why I don't believe in do what I said, just do what I do. So lifestyle, it's, it's a sense that learning how to do with your body, 
learning how to do it with your mind and her learning how to do it with your spirit. So I created this called this this fitness program called Belfort Fitness Lifestyle, where it's a class of one hour. Half of the class you in the bag, half the class you in the weight with the air bike. The reason why I don't like running, I think running it's a very deteriorating thing in your joints. And you only know when you don't have it. So I don't have a lot of joints, so I know how it is to don't have joints. So I got bone on bone on my knees. So I discovered a way of having the same result without putting the same pounding. So it's like this. I remember one coach said, Victor, there's many ways to skin a cat. You just got to find the best efficient way to skin that cat forever. So remember, that's the problem. Is like people skinning a cat. They can only skin, for, skin a cat for two years. So I remember NFL, uh, NFL player is only two to four years job. How you can make 20 years. You got to know how to skin the cat. So basically putting that ground. So now I'm ch challenging and, and sharing my knowledge with people that they're looking for just a, they want to be a better, they want to live longer with no pain no joint pain, free of joints. So the biggest pain for any athlete right now is joint. And the second of all is the lifestyle. They, they drink too much. They, they, maybe they go out. So another day me and Shaq, we were talking he starts saying, Victor, how much we are the same age, how, how in good shape you look so young and how, how are you not aging yourself? It's, it's, so it's, it's the same thing we used to do in a sport and apply in a different ways. So it's like you, you just got to have a lifestyle. Making, so I call it the choices. The choices that you make when you're 20s, you're going to reap when you're 40s. The choices that you do when you're 40s, you're going to reap when you're 60. The 60 choices when you're 60 years old, you're going to reap when you're 80. So I always just call for two decades. So you're reaping the choices that you come. So when you're in the 20s and your 30s, it doesn't count much. Only start counting when you hit. When you hit your 20s, if you want to live at 40, if you want to still fighting at 40, you're going to make the choice in the 20s. So now I know if, if I could go back, I would do a lot of things different to keep my joints. But even though I, I'm learning to skin the cats and, you know, accepting, accepting the things that I have and, and, and dealing with, with the things that I, I cannot change and focusing on what I can control and keep moving on and, and having fun. Yeah, I think that's one of the themes that kind of is going to has come out of this podcast and it leads us right into my last question for you, which is, you know, obviously you, you have a son, Davi, who's one of the top high school quarterbacks in the country. And, you know, you, you're around a lot of youth athletes, high school athletes, his age now. What would you say to the young athlete out there, the high school athlete, the college athlete that's got these big dreams, but is having trouble believing in themselves right now or just the way that life is with the, with the COVID-19 and the uncertainty of the future? What advice would you have for them? Number one, forget about getting, oh, I need to get offers. Forget about that, my friend. Forget about this BS. Oh, I have this many offers. Oh, man, you know what? I have the canyon in my arm. Oh, I have this, I have that. I was just yesterday with my son, Davide, watching the draft 2001. The man of that draft was who? Michael Vick. In the same draft, a guy called Drew Brees Nobody knew about him. He's the GOAT. He's still the GOAT. Michael Vick, deal with his issues, amazing talent guy, could not handle. So I told my son, hey, son, I don't want you to become the GOAT now. 
I don't want it to become the most successful, the most followers. Forget all this. Because back then I didn't have all this Instagram, you know, gratification. It's instantly. Stopping thinking that you're going to rip tomorrow. My friend, guess what? You want to see success? Make sure you put a seed. Get a seed, put it in the ground, and wait that seed to come. It's going to take time. You're going to have to put water, sun, water, sun. You're going to find a good soil. So that's number one. Things take time. Don't rush. Don't rush. You got an ACL injury. Hey, don't rush. Don't try to rush to get back. Hey, you, you, you get, oh, don't rush. Oh, no, because if I do, no, 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 no. Forget about all the ifs. Get away from that. I'm telling you, if, if I can sell this to you, this is worth a lot of money. I'm just giving this for free for you. So forget about getting all these things. Just accept the grind. Because when you come from high school to college, you become a rookie. You just what? Beginning. You're like nobody. You have to go start doing it again. And when you come from high school to the NFL, guess who you are? You are nobody. You are nobody. It's hard to realize because you just sold arenas, 80,000. So it's just, I'm just going to use a knowledge because that's the better way to use it. So the draft, what's his name? The guy just got draft number one, the quarterback. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is going to come. He's going to understand that it's a totally different. He can become, he can go in and blew him out. Great. I, I hope this happened. But guess what? He's going to go to a place that people are looking to, to compete against him. So there, he's coming to a totally different scene. So, so how we take things is called stages of life. So right now I'm in my 40s. I don't know what the 50s is. I cannot proclaim, no, if I can get advice someone from 50s, I want to get all the advice I can because guess what? He's there. So he's climbed that, that, that I need to hear. So the problem today, people become expect too early. People become, you cannot be the best coach at 20. Impossible. You can become good, but it times something that nothing can change. Time. So I like to accept that fact that takes time to develop so don't rush take your time trust the process do little a lot not a lot little that's what brian Kane taught me and i cannot live without that it's doing little a lot not a lot little and we are master in doing a lot little and you i believe if you're in college right now you're in this pandemic I believe a lot of at college at you know a lot of high school players are dealing with this weed because now it's a medicine. Stay out of that, my friend. Trust me, it's not going to be any good for you. You know now, medical. You don't need that kind of medical. The only thing you need is called the grind. Call Brian Kane. Call Success Hotline. Call your coaches. You know, eat your fruits. Get your vegetables. Stay out of the sugar. You know, just doing little things. You know, you want to get great nutrition. Eat everything that comes from Earth. Colorful, make everything so so simple. Doesn't get a, a, a nutrition expert. You don't need a nutrition expert. Go see what Daniel used to eat. Go see what. So it's so simple. But guess what? We want complicated. We we like complicated things. We like things that man. Oh, it's flashy. It's this. So you know, and don't buy. Don't spend money with all these people around you and golds and diamonds. You don't need that. Guess what? Now nobody can drive your cars. Nobody can wear your clothes. 
everything is priceless. Doesn't even gas right now, Brian? Gas is nothing. Gas is almost nothing. So why? No, it has no value. So I think we're in a change. We never know this uncertainty. You know, that he was asking me, Dad, oh, we're gonna have football. We cannot live without football. We're gonna have school. Oh, we're gonna have to. I don't know. But guess what? Today you wake up 6 a.m. Go train. Go train later. Go train. Go train. Later, call Brian. Go this, do that, go study. Because at the end of the day, if this lockdown stay, we're going to find a way to make competition works. Believe me, we are good. We can make this good. But the, the question stands for all of you and myself is, this pandemic going to pass? The question is, how are you going to be when this passes? You're going to be better or you're going to be bitter? That's the question. And that's, that is about as good a close as you can bring to the podcast. Are you going to get better? Or are you going to get bitter? Or are you going to trust the process because you have one? And are you going to do a little, a lot, or are you going to do a lot, a little? So listen to the champ. Special thanks to my friend and my guest, Vitor, the Phenom Belfort. Be sure to engage and follow Vitor on Instagram at Vitor Belfort. That's at V-I-T-O-R-B-E-L-F-O-R-T. Vitor Thank you for being with us, my friend. Brian, I hope I can be your neighbor one day so we can all do this, Brian. I love your sauna. I love your – I still – you know, you, I need to call because I need to order that bath to make the – The cold know, tank. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I need to I, – I didn't want to order the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you to you. I'll so, probably know what to send so you. If, so send me the – I don't want to have to order and how I have to start. simple or, or it's complicated? Uh, yeah, Sim. If it's complicated, I'm not doing it. So it's simple. Yeah, it's real <laughs> simple. It. It's real simple. Beautiful. Thank you, for the thank you man. Appreciate you it. Great seeing you. All right. Thank you, brother. My name is Brian Kane, and I've made it my life's mission to educate, empower, and energize others to live their best lives through mental performance mastery. I regularly meet with Fortune 500 companies, professional and Olympic athletes, MMA world champions, and top NCAA and high school coaches, business leaders, and elite performers in all arenas to discuss mental performance strategies that can elevate their careers, improve their relationships, and ultimately make the world a better place. On the new season of the Brian Kane Podcast, I'm bringing you more stories of how these incredible people have used mental performance strategies to overcome adversity and achieve their life's goals, and how you can too. If you're looking for a podcast that will inspire you to achieve more and give you insights into the methods employed by some of the world's most successful people, then be sure to subscribe now to the Brian Kane Podcast on the Ironclad Content Network. It's the mental fuel you need to dominate the day.